0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Chuck, how are you doing today? Yeah? <laughs> Chuck had uh, hip surgery Tuesday. He was out doing marathons the next day I heard... Welcome all of our friends joining us online today. Um, I am super excited that you're with us. Uh, This is uh, a great weekend for all of us to be in the church as the church because we are starting a brand new message series, What Would Jesus Undo? And uh, I don't know if you guys remember these at all. Uh, Our younger generation couple... Uh, might remember these, uh, some of you may or may not. <clears throat> these were really kind of going around five, ten years ago. They had WWJD, which stands for What Would Jesus Do? What would Jesus do? And well these were hugely popular there for um, a while. There's actually a, a pretty neat story um, behind the whole thing if you don't know. All, all the way back in um 18 Ninety-six. there was a pastor by the name of Charles Sheldon and he wrote this book called In His Steps and this little book went on to sell over 30 million copies and in this book this pastor essentially um, talked about you know small town living and these different living situations for just regular people like you and me and their dealings with different situations that came up, and they would ask themselves, in this situation, what would Jesus do? And that was kind of the idea behind the book, and so a hundred years later, there's this movement that goes about this idea, and let's get these things printed up on bracelets, this is this is a great idea, and it really took off engaging the youth, uh, people could wear it, they're, they're bright, um, you know, and so people would ask each other, well, what would Jesus do? And so it was a real sort of catchy, uh, neat little thing that sort of took off. And what I want to do in this message series is ask a question sort of tied to it. It's a a little bit different, along the same lines. Not what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus undo? What would Jesus undo? In other words, what are the, the things that as we read the red letters in our Bible... Uh, the words of Jesus, what are these things that really uh, broke his heart? You know, what are the things that um, Jesus warned us of in Scripture? And uh, what was it that Jesus saw in the, the fallness of man that he would have us undo in our lives today? So for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about four different things that Jesus essentially has warned us of, warned us about, spoke of in Scripture, a little spoiler alert, uh, next week is my favorite of the four weeks of this series. I don't want to give anything away, but I promise unless the, the Lord returns, you do not want to miss next Sunday. I, I promise you, you will be strengthened and encouraged in a very special way. I promise you that. So, um, but just to introduce our, our topic for today, let me kind of start out with a question. And have you guys ever uh, bought a gift for uh, someone and you were like really, really excited about this gift? Maybe you it was a, a rare discovery and or you searched long and hard and you finally found this gift for someone special and you gave it to them and then they didn't even really seem to care that much about it. It wasn't like, oh, wow, I always wanted it. I just kind of, oh, that's, that's nice. Uh, anyone ever go through that or... If you have kids, I'm sure you went through this. Um, <laughs> it just feels awful, right? And we went through this almost every year at Christmas time with my daughter and her teens. And you know, they're at that stage where they just don't like anything, right? And they always complain they have nothing. It's like, well, you don't like anything. How, you know, how are we supposed to find anything if you don't like anything, and Katie and I just spent a lot of time really searching for something special, you know, something that she really needed, something that she could appreciate for years and years, and, and like a really nice warm but stylish winter jacket, right, and nope, <laughs> you know, don't like it, not the style, you know, bring it back, um, homemade sweaters and socks we tried. You know, nope and nope. <laughs> and it seemed like there for a couple of years. And she was incredibly grateful, you know, for the gifts, but they just end up being returned. And uh, so one year, Katie found this pretty um, special piece of jewelry that she looked at and I found, and it was at a really nice, cheap price, but really nice. You know, it was like a really good deal. And uh, I think the kids call it bling. Yeah, you know, it, it was sparkly really nice and we thought oh she's really gonna like this it's 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 um fancy but you know it, it was like her style and we were convinced she's really gonna like this piece of jewelry she can have it she can give it to her children later on in life and so we were all excited and convinced that she would love it and, and so you can imagine how we felt about you know a month later going through her room uh you know going through all of her uh, clothes everywhere and stuff, still sitting in the box, buried underneath all the junk and and paper and garbage everywhere. There is the box with the gift um, that we had given her, untouched and seemingly forgotten all about. I so wanted to give her this special gift. And she just kind of disregarded it there. She just left it there, buried amongst all of her stuff. Or he put mom to sleep. <laughs> what do you think Jesus felt when he left heaven, came to Earth, sacrificed everything, everything for us? He, he was tortured. He shed his blood. He died. He kicked some devil tail he rose from the dead he gave us his living word access to the very throne of god through prayer charged us with a, a spiritual mission gave us the same power that raised christ from the dead and we can go day in and day out often not in even thinking about him or the gift that he's given us. What would Jesus undo? The first thing I want to talk about in this series is something um, we'll call spiritual indifference. Spiritual indifference. An idea that is not new to our current generation. I don't, we don't have many youths here. Uh, but if you are a youth you, and a parent of a youth, you may have heard of the terminology meh. M-E-H, meh. I sound like a sheep meh. So how was your first day of school? Meh. Are you excited about your teachers? Are you making a difference in the world? Meh. Are you searching for any spiritual purpose? Meh. The meh generation. Um, If you've been at our Thursday night group studies, uh, we're just finishing studying what's known as the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. In the first couple of chapters of Revelation, Jesus speaks directly to, to each of these seven literal churches in the first century. And John records these as letters. He wrote to one particular church that was kind of like the meh generation when it comes to spiritual ideas. The church was uh, Laodicea. And this was a very powerful uh, little community. Laodicea had been destroyed by a, a massive earthquake about 35 years before uh, this was written, and since then they had completely re- rebuilt it, modernized the city. Uh, there were stadiums and, and theaters and, and lavish uh, heated uh, pools and baths and shopping malls, L- literally uh, a modern-day uh, Dubai or, or Las Vegas, if you will. Uh, this was the place to be. Um, many in the area would go there to Laodicea to retire. It was the Florida of uh, the East. So the problem, though, was in this community is that they had inadequate water supply, uh, which you can imagine uh, the trouble that this would have caused. And so they built these elaborate uh, aqueducts to bring the, the water in from two places, from Colossae and from Heropolis. Heropolis sounds kind of like a place Superman might be born. Um, anyways, Colossae was known as um, for its cold water. They were known for their cold water. And cold water had purposes obviously being very soothing, refreshing, um, great to drink. Hierapolis was known for its hot springs. Hot springs were thought of uh, certainly back then and today for medicinal purposes. You could take a hot bath and such. And so they would pipe in these two water supplies from these two different uh, cities. The problem was that by the time the water got to Laodicea, it was no longer cold and it was no longer hot. It was just lukewarm. So Jesus confronts this community as he sees this problem of spiritual indifference happening. And many scholars believe he used this example used in the reference towards the water to really highlight what he was saying through an issue that they would have very easily Understood, and this is the context of it. we can look at it Revelation chapter three verses fifteen through sixteen and this is what Jesus said. He said, I know your deeds, everyone say deeds, deeds. I know your deeds and in, in other words, you know I see you i I know what you did this week you know I, I, If I looked at you this week, were you full of spiritual passion and energy for the things and and the kingdom of God? Or were you more spiritually indifferent? Jesus says to him, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one, one or the other. But both serve a purpose, but you're not, right? Verse 16, So because you are lukewarm neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. What was Jesus saying? You are spiritually stale. You are depressingly detached. After what I did for you, what I've called you to do, what I've empowered you with, You don't even seem to care. Here's why I want you to notice. When he said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth, the the very literal translation of this is, is I want to vomit you out. That's what it means. Jesus is saying, the spiritual indifference, it doesn't just break my heart. It makes me sick to my stomach. And after what I did, the fact that you don't even seem to care at all, it it makes me want to spit you out. How are you doing spiritually? Meh. Jesus would undo spiritual indifference. What I want to do today is sort of build a foundation, talk about two causes of spiritual indifference from the words of Jesus. There may be many more, but I just want to focus on two today. If you would just want to write these, these are the two things I said that would be very short on the very top line there. That's available for you in your bulletin. What causes spiritual indifference in our lives? The first thing is what I call the illusion of self sufficiency. Self sufficiency. Sorry, I never changed to verse seventeen for you guys. <laughs> the illusion of self sufficiency. This is what Jesus said in the next verse. I'm sorry, I'll go back to verse 17. There, now I'll read it. This is what Jesus said uh, to the Laodiceans in verse 17. He said, you say that I am rich. In other words, you've got everything that you need. You say I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. But you don't even realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, Blind and naked. You don't even realize that you think you have what you need, but you're missing what matters most. Whenever I'm talking to people that I run into on the street, usually majority of the time is in the restaurant, and I ask them sort of how are they doing, how are they doing spiritually um, I'll get this attitude a lot of the times like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Kind of like, you know, you're, you're uh, a used car salesman selling a pile of junk to them. Yeah, no, no thanks. I, I'm good with that. I mean, I got a nice car. I got the new iPhone. You know, I'm going to go buy a, a, a new house. I got a new girl. You know, I'm good. I got everything I need. And Jesus is saying, you have material stuff, but you're spiritually empty you're full of things in this world but you're lacking what truly matters your life is full of stuff but it's empty of meaning why is it that we're so drawn to the things of this world and and the things of the world they never ever satisfy how you doing ah i'm good I've got what I need. You think you have what you need, but you have no idea that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You're full of stuff, but you're spiritually bankrupt. It's the illusion of self-sufficiency. The second cause that is just so, so dangerous to us is the distractions of this world. What causes spiritual indifference? We're just simply distracted, aren't we? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, we find Jesus teaching a parable about this farmer. He's throwing some seeds out, and some of the seeds are starting to take root and starting to grow. But in chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus said, but the worries of this life, all the stuff that we have to take care of, but the worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things, fill in the blank. Come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The desire for other things, come in and choke the word. If, if you were doing the Bible plan with us this week, you read this verse and this spoke Loud and clear to me, man. It, it, it really spoke to me. I mean, I'm going to call it what it is. This is this is what many of us are up against. This might even be your story right now. You know, I, I hear the word. I hear the word. I, I, I I'm I'm being moved. The, the spirit's prompting me, man. Things are things are happening. I I'm, I'm stirred spiritually. You know. And there starts to be the spiritual awakening in you. That, that seed that Jesus has talked about is in the ground. It's starting to sprout. The water's coming in. The roots are starting to spread in the fertile soil. And that nourishment's coming in. And then life happens. The kids get sick. The car breaks down. Someone's in need. You get in a stupid fight with the spouse. You know, there's bills to pay. There's, there's dishes to do. And on and on and on. Ah! Life just happens, and it chokes out the word. It's not that we don't care, but so often we're distracted. So easily distracted. We were looking at Jesus. Man, we had this great morning devotional. Church was awesome. I was lifted all up. First thing Monday morning, you know, the boss ticks you off, you know. Life happens. Hey, you know, wh- where have you been? I haven't, I haven't seen you at church, f- you know, for a couple weeks, you know. I know, I know, I know, I know. I don't know what happened. I mean, I just got overwhelmed. All, all this stuff just started. I mean, I still love Jesus, but, you know, I'm tired right now. You know, I'm just tired. You know, I just want to relax on Sundays. It's a long week. You know, honestly, I just want to go home and just chill out and watch some TV <laughs> To zone out. It's a long week. Oh. Oh. Well, we've missed you. We love you. We're worried about you. Yeah, you know, life. Life happens. We all get tired and run down. Two causes of spiritual indifference. Self-sufficiency and the distractions of this world. What happens? What do we see so much of in the world today, we'll just call it like it is. All over the world, there are there are so many that are giving their life to Christ. There's an unbelievable movement that we're living in the middle of today. It's it's absolutely amazing. But my fear is, and I think Scripture is very clear with what it's telling us. God's fear is for so many people who claim to know Him, who claim to love Him, that God sees so little of Himself living in their hearts and manifesting in their lives. They got a little bit of Jesus. Just enough to make you sort of feel good about a eternity. I prayed a prayer once. I, I was baptized, I think, when I was little. You know, Just enough to say, yeah, I'll go to church every now and then when I can. You know, it makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> if I can help someone once in a while, I'll help them Sometimes. And when I can when it works out. Just enough to give them a little sense of comfort and security, but not so much that it moves us to grieve over our own sinfulness and inspires us to pursue Jesus and to give him glory every single day of our lives. Just enough to make us feel better about ourselves, but not so much that it truly changes us. What would Jesus undo? lukewarm indifference didn't just break his heart, it made him want to vomit. It made him sick to his stomach. How do we know if we're living with this type of indifference? Believe it or not, I am an expert on this topic. So you're in luck, because you see, I lived in spiritual indifference for many, many years, and I still fall for many of these ploys. So I put together six indicators of things that I personally struggle with in my own life, and I know that you'll be able to identify with some of these or all six of these. I put all six of them in your notes. We're going to go through them in order. Maybe if some of these you recognize or they're very prevalent in your life, maybe you might want to circle them so I can identify them and come before the Lord humbly in repentance to him today. Now, remember, the Laodiceans were a church of believers. During our study, I kept re-reminding our group that we were reading about a church of believers. This wasn't a random group of renegades. This wasn't the the holy church of the Antichrist with all the demons filled in the, the place. These, at one time, all seven of these churches were very well, very respected, very fruitful churches that many of the apostles set up along the ways and and, and the people that they worked with alongside with, they were also involved with these churches. So these weren't just kind of -of run-of-the-mill, run-down places that, you know, they were letting Satan preach the sermon every other week. This was churches, this was people that were just like you and me here today. These were incredibly strong and faith-filled churches at one point. So how do we know if we're heading down the same path if our faith is becoming lukewarm or spiritually indifferent, the first thing you're going to see in your notes is we're more concerned with impressing people than living for God. This is a tall tale sign. If we're more impressed with living for other people than living for God... We're more concerned with what everyone else thinks, you know, am I popular? Do I blend in? Do you like my hair? Do you like my shoes? You know, do you like the music that I listen to? Do you like me? We're so obsessed with what people think that we forget about what God thinks. Second Timothy chapter three says that in the end times, in these last days, there will be people who are lovers of themselves. Tell me this isn't prophetic for the times that we live in right now. They will be lovers of themselves. Just take a look at social media, you know, real quick. You know, look at me. Click if you like it. You know, me, me. Look at my vacation, my house, you know, my shoes, my hair, my fancy dinner. Look, look, look. Hey, everyone, look at me. Look at me. You know, (laughs) what do they call it when when they take a picture of yourself? A selfie, right? Selfie. Promote myself. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 26. He says, Woe to you! Woe to you when all people speak well of you. If we're so consumed with what other people think about us, then it becomes impossible to live for what matters for the heart of God. Number two, we're obsessed with life on earth rather than eternity in heaven. How often do we get preoccupied with the things of this world? We buy stuff. We get consumed with stuff. You know, the problem is, Scripture says, do not fall in love with the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love for the Father is not in them. And this can be any of the trappings that are in this world. Again, you can fill in the thing that, that gets you. And then why is this so dangerous? Because as you start to lose focus on his eternal purposes for you, you stop caring about the things that God cares about. Number three, we rationalize sin and we live without truly fearing God. God we talked about fearing god and the healthy relationship of what fear of the lord brings but we rationalize our sin and our, our uh, culture we rename sin don't we we make it sound not as bad for example adultery is no longer adultery it's a, it's an affair right pornography is neatly packaged up as adult entertainment i'm just an adult being entertained yeah, come on. We give it a more acceptable name, and then with its new name, with a new branded name that it's got, it sounds a little less offensive to God. And if it's less offensive, well, then we can better rationalize it, can't we? It becomes a little bit easier because after all, it's not really, not that bad. I mean, at least I'm not as bad as the guy that's over there. You see what that guy does? You know What about she does? That is way worse than what I do. You know, and who are they to judge me anyways? You know, they got their own issues. We rationalize sin without truly fearing God. Number four, we believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. Oh, we believe in him. We're saved. We're okay. I mean, they got to figure it out for themselves. So, I mean, I don't really know what to tell them. We have to ask ourselves, why is it that we often don't share our faith? Why are we not passionate, highly motivated to share our faith? I know that there's a lot of excuses we can come up with, but I'm convinced it's because we don't really understand or or, or truly know the power that lies in the truth of the gospel. Because if we fully understood that people without Christ are destined for a place of eternity in a place called hell, and if we loved people at all and believed in this, then we would find every opportunity, any excuse to jump out in the middle of someone's way and say, stop, have you heard the good news? We would find that opportunity to... to to let our light shine in ways and places of darkness all the time. But yet so often we live with this spiritual indifference. Ah, if that's, the, the pastor can do that. <laughs> I really don't know what to say anyways. Number five. We only turn to God when we need him. Rather than seeking him daily, we seek him when he benefits us. He's kind of like that, that tool in the toolbox. You know? Not a god that we worship and we fear. You know how it goes. All of a sudden, the bad day comes, and we're like, "Oh God, 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 please, please, please! Where, where did I put that toolbox? Where I, Oh, oh, here, here it is. Here it is. Let me. Where, 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 god, God, where are you? God, God, I need your help, God, quick! Oh, oh, God, there you are, there you are, Lord. I need your help. I need your help, please, please, please. please, please. Oh, oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, oh, I. Okay, I'm gonna put him back in there. Back to my regular life. Everything's good. Everything's fine. Yeah. And then, oh no, somebody's sick. Where, where did I put that? Where did I put it? Oh no! Oh, where is it? Lord, Lord! Lord, where are you? Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, God. I'll put this back up there. I'll grab that when I need it. It's getting in the way of my life. Number six, and ultimately, if we live this way long enough, we end up recognizing we're not really all that much different from the world, are we? If you've circled one through five, you might go, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, I have to circle number six now too. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, we're entertained the way the rest of the world is entertained, right? We watch the same movies, whether they're pleasing to God or full of filth. We listen to the same music. We spend our money essentially in the same way as the rest of the world. We raise our kids like the rest of the world. So although mommy and daddy sometimes make it to church, and it's just something sort of we go and do on some Sundays when we can get to it. The rest of the week, we live just like every other family in the Joneses next door. What are we? Without even knowing it, without even sometimes even intending it, one day we wake up and we realize we are spiritually indifferent. If you've checked off a lot of these boxes, this is what you're up against. So let me just sort of be as honest with you as I can. And, and this has been one of those weeks where I find myself incredibly distracted. Incredibly. Incredibly. Distracted, And I'm not going to go into all the reasons why. There are plenty of good reasons I could tell you about my work schedule. There's a lot going on. You'd be like, oh, he's working hard. Well, then you guys are working hard as well at your jobs too. The truth is, whether it's uh, zoning out to some criminal investigation show that I want to zonk out to and take my mind off off everything, or or I'm watching the game. Patriots are on what time? Today. Okay? We're watching our clocks for what's going on, you know. That time, again, stuck surfing through social media sites with every good intention of putting on some stuff to spread the good news of the gospel. Then this friend said, you know, you're stuck in in that trap. I've allowed the things of this world so many times, but especially this week, to distract me from, from my higher calling. I can barely even focus on preaching because I'm distracted by some stupid thing in this world. God has provided me with this opportunity to speak life now into hundreds of people's homes. And I'm wrapped up in some dumb TV show? I hate myself for that. Serve Jesus. Oh, wait, what's the score? What happened? Life just kind of chokes out that passion. And some of you, you're going to wake up and realize after who he is and after what he's done you've been living with spiritual indifference we're not cold there's a purpose for that we're not hot, we're not on fire for the Lord we don't have that passion just kind of meh do you want to go to church today? meh Do you want to be part of a a study group? Eh. Do you want to use the gifts that God has given you to bless people? Eh. Do you want to be generous and and let your love for the world and and give away something that you have an extra blessing to bless somebody else? Eh. Do you want to lead someone to Christ? Eh. This attitude doesn't just break Christ's heart, it turns his stomach. He wants to vomit you out. What would Jesus undo? He would undo spiritual indifference after what he gave us, the gift that we put aside, that we put up on the shelf, and we just leave it there. For those of you that you recognize that you are a follower of Christ, and yet you have become more spiritually indifferent, What do you do to reignite that fire? What do you do to consistently live with a a passion for Jesus every day? Because let's be honest, life does just happen. And we don't always mean to, but it just chokes it out. Let me tell you first what I would normally tell you and then i'm going to tell you something i believe has the potential to be a life changer for all of you today normally i would tell you and this is this is good advice i would i would give you kind of a, a list of things to do to help the passion and this is this is some great advice spend time in god's word it's it's his living word spend time in god's word you know talk to him daily in prayer don't just seek him in need seek god in, in thanksgiving a sacrifice of praise we talked about a couple weeks ago, then don't just talk to him. Be still for a moment and listen to him. Feel his presence as he surrounds you. Share your faith with the platform that, whatever platform God has given you. At at your work, at at the market, while, while you're standing in line at the bank teller, you know, just tap on someone's shoulder. Hey, I haven't seen you. Just like you would any other conversation. You don't have to have a sign and go running around the street and, you know, going all crazy. They won't listen to you. You know, general conversation. (laughs) Fellowship with other believers. Pray for each other that you would be strengthened. You know, worship God daily. It's just part of who you are and the overflow that comes from your faith. Turn from your sin. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of something that's displeasing to God, you know, confess it and Turn away from it and pursue Jesus in, in righteous passion. Those are all good things. The problem is if I give you all those things, you're overwhelmed. You're not going to do any of those things. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you guys one thing. One thing. And I want to share this with you. I'm so excited to share this with you. I've been waiting for 48 hours to share this one thing with you. It's simple. It's easy. And this is honestly, truly has the potential to absolutely change your life in a very, very profound way. Really, it's that good. If you don't do this, then it may go downhill from here, okay? <laughs> just, just, just telling you. What is this one thing that you can do to reignite your spiritual fire? I wrote this down at the bottom of your notes. You can look down for it for yourself so you have no excuses, okay? Uh, every day, every day, Oh, unfortunately you won't see it on the screen. Good thing I wrote it on your bulletin. Every day... Do something that requires faith. Every day, do something that requires faith. Every day, let the Spirit of God lead you to do something that you cannot do on your own something that requires faith. If, if your life is anything like mine, you're, you're going to notice that, that while your days are full and busy, Monday looks a lot like Tuesday. Tuesday is pretty much like Wednesday. Wednesday is the same as Thursday. Thursday is the same as Friday. Life can become a lot like my mom's favorite movie, Groundhog Day. <laughs> you get up, you go to work, you go to bed. You get up, you go to work, you go to bed. You get up, it's Groundhog's Day. Okay? Day after day after day after day. And one day you wake up and you realize, where's the fire in this? Where, 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 where is the excitement coming from spiritually? I'm just run down by this repetitive day in and day out drag that I call my life. I've lost my spiritual edge. And so back about a month ago, I'm studying for this m- message and, and one of the notes I had said at the very bottom, just do one thing out of faith today. And I circled it and I kind of thought about it and I turned away from it and I was busy with some other stuff. And I came back to it like three or four days later and I saw I circled it. And it was kind of an incomplete sentence. It was just sort of a note, no scripture with it, nothing. And, and I just, just kind of thought about it and... Uh, of course, we hear faith. I preach faith. I say faith every single week together. It's not some new uh, thing here. But it stood out to me with the one every day and faith. Every day in faith. And I went to prayer. I started seeking God and praying. I'm like, Lord, reveal to me what can I do today that requires a massive amount of faith? one day every single day so now at the end of my day i'm asking myself what did i do today that required some faith what did i do today that required faith i only need to do one thing what did i do today that required some faith how do you reignite your spiritual fire do one thing that requires faith what might that be Maybe you're going to stand up for someone others think less than, especially you, you kids in school and everything else, but we've seen it in different levels and different judgments at work and, and all over the place, sometimes in our own house. Stand up for someone that others think less of. Even though if you don't know what other people are going to think about you, you do it anyways. You go ahead even if you get mocked. You, you, you get out there on faith and stand up and speak truth and love. Maybe you give a gift to someone that stretches you out of your comfort zone. You know, yeah, you could sell it, you could keep it, you could use it, but you go ahead and you're obedient and you give a blessing to somebody else and it kind of stretches you financially. I I could have used that extra 50 bucks, but I know that this will be a blessing to somebody else more than, than I need it. And you use a little bit of faith on that. You stretch yourself in. On that, and that takes faith. Maybe you apologize to someone you hurt, knowing very well that it might not go as, as well as received, right? Or, or maybe you choose to forgive someone that hurt you, even though you don't feel like they deserve forgiveness, and they haven't asked for it. But you go ahead in faith, and you forgive them anyways. You just go on in faith and just forgive them anyways. Maybe you, you volunteer to pray out loud at your next Bible study, You're not comfortable with praying. You never pray in front of people. But on faith, you're going to step out on faith and you're going to pray at your next Bible study. Or better yet, you're going to show up to the Bible study. So then you can pray to the Lord and thank him for how he's going to use you and minister you in your life and many others. Maybe it's to reach out to someone that God puts on your heart. Someone's without Christ in their life. And you know that person. We all have, we should all have several people on our hearts. There's many people I know right off the top that I've been talking to, sharing the good news with for a very long time. And you simply show them who Jesus is, what he has done in your life. You don't need to be a preacher to do that. The good news is, is I used to be like this and the Lord made me like this. I was on the ground in a mess and a, Useless to everybody. And the Lord picked me up and said, son, come follow me. It's as easy as that. Maybe you just pray for something that is absolutely impossible by man. T.J. and Don were just talking about. Sometimes we pray for the things that are impossible. Yeah, but they said this. But the doctors said that. Yeah, but they think this. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, I I don't work by those rules. My God is bigger than all of that. I'm not bound by these shackles. The Lord has broken my shackles. And so he can do great things just to show off. So pray out of faith, even if it's impossible, all-knowing, all-powerful, miracle-working God. Why does any of this matter? Because Scripture teaches us this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without that faith, if we're not living by faith, we cannot please God. So what better way than to put faith as a very part of, I have to have faith today, and how's it going to happen? And at the end of the day, what did I do out of faith? This is what the Lord wants. I can't please the Lord if I'm doing it all on my own, if, it, if the world's got me down, if I'm, if I'm all shackled up by faith. And faith, James says, in verse 17, if it has no works, is dead dead he says in verse 18 i will show you my faith by my good deeds christ is life faith brings life when when we're living by faith what tends to happen instead of being consumed with what other people think of us you know all of a sudden we are consumed with what god thinks of us when we're living by faith, suddenly we're not living for you know, just the eternal promises or, or not for the temporary uh, things of this world that bind us. We're in tune to his eternal promises. Not of what's in this world that's got me all bound up and held down. I'm looking ahead to what the Lord has in store. Instead of rationalizing our sins, you know what do we do? We confess them before God. His spirit purifies us of all unrighteousness. Suddenly we're bold in spirit you know people are amazed and encouraged by our our spiritual boldness wow you know i go on the authority of my lord and suddenly we're not just turning to god whenever we need him no 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 we're turning to god to every moment of every day because we must abide within the vine that strengthens us and then one day we wake up and realize huh we're different we're different. We haven't been conformed to the image of this world. We have been transformed by the grace of our God. We're no longer lukewarm. We wake up with a purpose. Now, believe me when I say this is not the easy way. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It's easier not to care. It's easy. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. My son, my son seems to, you know, be able to handle pretty much everything <laughs> Nothing but <laughs> <that>. <laughs> This week, man, I, I was praying for Carly with her surgery, and a lot of other things were going on. I was praying for all of you in the prayer list, and uh, man, it just hit me hard. And I dropped to my knees and I worshiped our great Lord. I sang the song that we're about ready to sing here in a moment. I was just bawling my eyes out. Stuff like that will happen to you. You'll care. It's easier not to care, but let me tell you what. It's so much better to hurt with a purpose than it is to exist without one. What would Jesus undo? Jesus would undo spiritual indifference. Jesus said, I wish you were one. I wish you were the other. But because... That you are neither because you don't really care about what I did for you. I'm about to vomit, spit you out of my mouth. Spiritual indifference doesn't just break his heart, it turns his stomach. So, what do we do? We very simply, every day, at least one thing that requires faith. Today's invitation is open for the sinner, for the lost for the hurting. The great thing about Jesus is he will leave the 99 righteous for the one lost sheep. He will come find you, the one that strayed away. Don't do life on your own. If, if you're in a season of, of lukewarm faith right now, I just want to encourage you to come up, pray with Pastor Rick. My wife would be more than happy to pray with you today. And we can talk to you this morning, go before the Lord. Please stand as we sing the invitation song. The invitation song is Reckless Love by Corey Asbury.